Welcome back to the Amkis podcast brought to you by The Bonjour Agency. This is the podcast where we speak to people in the independent school sector. Amkis is the Association for Admissions, Marketing and Communications in Independent Schools. I'm Simon Jones, and in this episode, I'm talking to a number of people, with the first half having been recorded at the Amkis Admissions Conference in London. Then in the second half, we jump across into a private conversation with Mike Parker and Emma Schramm. Mike and Emma are both directors of admissions and marketing, Mike being at Durham School in the north and Emma being at Stover School in the southwest. We're going to find out what their roles look like in each of their schools, so if you're even slightly into admissions and marketing, then you'll gain a lot from this episode. But before we speak to them, we're going to step into the Amkis Admissions Conference at the Holiday in London, so come with me and be a virtual guest at this event. So here we are inside the Amkis Admissions Conference. It's great to see so many people here for a live in-person event. Everyone seems to be enjoying coffee, so I'm going to go speak to them and find out what they're hoping to get from this event. Susan Augustine, you're from St. Helens in Northwood. Uh, We've just listened to Anthony Steers. He calls himself the telephone assassin. What did you think of his keynote speech? It was absolutely amazing. I learned lots of new informative ideas that I'm going to take back and share with the team. Now with schools, it's more about marketing the school in different ways. It's just not about them joining up at the admission stage. It's seeing their journey through and keeping engaged with the family and the children. It's been a very interesting topic and I'm looking forward to the range of the day. Excellent. And tell me one of the things that you enjoy about coming to a real life event like this instead of it being online or instead of it just being... I don't know, a a document that you read through, this connection with other people. But tell me how you feel about that. You get to engage with your peers. It's nice seeing your colleagues face to face. You can share ideas, learn new things, um, discuss concerns that you have and see how they're dealing with it, if you can implement any of their ideas. And as I'm fairly new to the sector, this is my first conference. It's been amazing so far. So I'm looking forward to that journey continuing for the rest of the day. Awesome. Susan, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. So there's a number of people out here for coffee right now. Good selection of teas here as well, I've noticed. Oh, and some oat cakes. So Mike and Emma, uh, we're going to be speaking to you both in the second half of this podcast episode. But first of all, we're here in the first coffee break. What did you think of the two keynote speeches we had just now? I think they were both fantastic. I think the whole issue of inclusivity is a a big issue for schools. Um, For an international boarding element, it's less of an issue for us diversity-wise. You know, Durham is um, a hugely diverse place and we've got over 21 different nationalities in our school. But actually the bigger thing is about staff diversity and how we make sure that that then relates through to diversity for pupils. Um, In terms of the second speaker, Great to have confirmation that a lot of what we're doing is good, but actually the structure he provided was excellent. Um, and I found myself doing the classic thing of um, talking about amazing students who do unbelievable things like make their own violin, pass grade eight, go off to a Swiss university to study violin making, when it has absolutely no relevance to the vast majority of people who come through the door. So I'm going to change some of the things I talk about case study wise in result of that last session with uh, with Anthony. I love that. So we've got real action, real change happening as a result of what we just heard. Um, Emma, we've got a few sessions coming up this afternoon. What, what are you hoping to get from this event, this conference here? 
I think these events are always just fantastic in just making you think outside of your normal box. And I find you're stuck in the office for nine to five and you spend the whole time doing the same thing. And I've done it for over six years now. So these events are always just a brilliant chance to start thinking and not necessarily even about what is said on the stage. Something else might pop up from what you're talking at lunchtime. It's just really good to get out of the office for a day. Fantastic. I'll leave you both to enjoy your coffee now. Thank you. Uh, Anthony Stiz, you just gave a keynote talk. You're the telephone assassin. I'm going to interrupt you while you're making your tea there. Um, what does a telephone assassin actually mean? Because it sounds a bit scary. It does sound scary. Uh, when my friends ask me, because they think it sounds cool, I tell them, and it sounds awful, that I teach people good manners and advanced common sense. I just show them how to be polite enough that people want to talk to you, but also understand the emotional journey you have to take somebody through in order to get them to take action as a result of speaking to you. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a lot of it's good manners. It sometimes gets dressed up as sales training or customer service training. It's all about communication, really, though. I love it. I really do. Do you, do you think that we've abandoned the telephone in favour of um, hiding behind email sometimes? Um, I, uh, I think that there are now so many mechanisms and ways to communicate that people will choose other ones rather than talking for certain situations. So um, if you've got people on different time zones or with strong accents, things like that can be really tricky. Um, so sometimes email and written messages or type messages can work well. Um, but a lot of the time, conversation is the way forwards. Um, uh, don't get me wrong, I don't mind email, but it should be used to create a paper trail of the conversations you've already had rather than trying to have the conversation through the email. I love that. One last question. How does this event to other events that you go and speak at? Uh, it's fantastic, I'll be honest with you. I love it. I get to do quite a few conferences. I did another conference earlier earlier this week. Um, sometimes they're internal conferences, which means people are forced to be in the room because it's their company's conference. Whereas this, everybody's chosen to be here. Mm -hmm. They're so excited to be back in the room because it's the first in-person one since the whole COVID issue as well. Um, and when we did the interactive section, everybody got involved and you could hear it in the room. Uh, and that's the bit that kind of gets my heart going um, is, is you could see the ideas going off. And uh, what a lovely bunch of people, I have to say. Uh, yeah, uh, it's been wonderful. That's really good. And Tori's looking after you, is she? Tori is doing a fantastic job. The whole team's looking after me, which is good. Um, but I'll be honest with you, it's quite nice to have my bit out of the way now. I get to relax, talk to, uh, talk to a lot of the audience and uh, enjoy the rest of the show. Fantastic. Anthony Steers, thank you very much. Thank you. So I've just found Gemma Price in a quiet spot, uh, probably preparing for your talk. Is that right, Gemma? Yes, that's right. Last minute, check through my notes, check I've not forgotten anything. Yeah, looking forward to it. OK, so you're from Hub Gem. Um, am I allowed to get a sneak peek as to what you're going to be talking about? <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so so we're specialists in CRM uh, in education. So um, a big part of what we do is helping admissions teams just transform the way they work. So I'm going to be giving some insights into what schools are doing, the, the types of things they're benefiting from, and hopefully um, giving you know inspiring some people to to take a look if it if it might be the solution for them. Now the people you're going to be speaking to are largely admissions people in schools. They're a nice bunch of people, but nevertheless, a little bit nerve-wracking before you go on. How are you feeling right now? I'm all right. I mean, I don't want to get heckled, so I think I'm in a good space. <laughs> I don't think you'll get heckled. You'll be all right. Um, no, good. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I think there's, there's going to be a point in about half an hour, I put the notes down and I go, it'll be fine. Um, so yeah, I, I've obviously come from the other side. I was a a director of marketing and admissions. So when I've attended these types of events before, I've been watching the people on stage. So it'll be, uh, it'll be a bit unusual being the other side, but yeah, excited. Great stuff. Well, I'll leave you to it to finish off any last minute preparations. But Gemma, thank you very much. Thank you.
Sam Jordan, City of London Freemans. We've just heard Saskia talking from Ipswich School. Uh, tell me something you picked up from her talk. Uh, well, well, I think as I'm new to the sector and I'm still very much learning the ropes, um, I think anything admissions-based has, has been really useful for me. So I think um, just the understanding of how things work, uh, I'm still, uh, obviously, my work dovetails with our head of admissions. And, um, and so I think just, it's very boring for a lot of people, but the process of how things work has, has been really useful for me, I think. Excellent. Well, look, it's nearly lunchtime and people are starting to head out for lunch, so I'll leave you to that. <laughs> Sam Jordan, thanks very much. Thank you. That's great. So we are 20 minutes early for lunch and Tori's enjoying this because all of a sudden the caterers need to uh, bring things forward. Uh, I'm with her right now. Tori, how's the whole event going? It's going absolutely brilliantly. It's so lovely to hear this noise in here and hear the buzz and the networking. We've had some amazing speakers this morning. More to come this afternoon. I'm well soft. <laughs> I love it. Tori, I'm going to leave you to get back to lunch and to sort things out there. Um, I love the way I've just walked up to you and just haven't even told you I'm going to speak to you. But that's the whole great thing about this event, isn't it? Is that you can just speak to people and just ask them how they're finding the event. Absolutely. I think that that is born completely out of the pandemic and the way that we all pulled together, looked after each other, shared ideas. And that's continuing here when we're back face to face. Awesome. Let's get back to it. So Saskia has not long finished her talk on conversion rates. Saskia Jordan, Ipswich School, how did that go? I was really good. I had so many questions. Really, um, really glad that they in engaged with it and wanted to know more. What's it like standing up there on stage? And there's, I'm going to guess, looking around here, there must be, what, 130, 140 people here. What's it like speaking to that number of people? Well, I thought it was going to be a bit scary, but it was absolutely fine. I think um, we all really love what we do, and we like I like talking about data, and I like talking about change and learnings, and so it was something I wanted to talk about. It's great. I was just talking to Gemma Price. Gemma's giving a talk later on, and we were discussing how everyone here is... They, they all seem to be on the same page. Oh, totally, yeah. I think it's really uh, heartening to know that when you're talking to people, they've been through everything you've been through. That is the disadvantage, though, because half the time when I'm speaking, I'm saying, well, you know, we learnt this and we did this. And you're thinking, well, actually, half the audience are already doing this and they're probably do half of them are probably doing it better than we are already. So I'm always really conscious that I'm not, I'm not teaching them new things. I'm just explaining what, what we learnt. I love it. Saskia, thank you very much. Thank you very much. So I'm with Louise and Heidi, both from Claire's Court School. Uh, Tori tells me that you're both quite good fun. What do you have to say about that? That's how I think we see every day working together in admissions. So it's brilliant fun. Challenging, but it is really good fun. Challenging working with Louise? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's rude. No, actually, we, have, we, we bring that enjoyment to what we try to offer to our parents and to give them a sense of what our school is about. And our school is about having fun. It's about learning. It's about enjoying being around people. It's about being a part of a family. Do you think events like this are partly about having fun as well? I'm going to hope that you say yes at this point. <laughs> Definitely, but it's amazing what you actually, you, you come away having learnt another nugget or you've, you've revisited something. You think, gosh, I used to do that. That slipped off. We don't do that anymore. We don't make that extra, extra difference. So it's really, really worthwhile. Definitely. Yeah. And I would say this is fun because everyone you speak to who works in admissions loves it. Yes, that's true. Yeah. That's a really good point. I hadn't really thought about that, but that's absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, talking about what people love, I think everyone loves lunch. Most people have gone through for lunch. I think we should go and follow them now. Thank you very much, both of you. Thank you. Bye-bye. So I'm walking through to the lunch area. There seems to be a good bit of noise in here. Lots of happy people and lots of good food. It smells delicious too. So I'm with Natasha and Georgina from Haberdasher's Girls and Haberdasher's Boys 
respectively. We're sat having lunch here at the moment. Um, Natasha, what did you have for lunch and what did you think of it? I had the salmon with the ratatouille and potatoes and it was delicious. I really enjoyed it, uh, as you can see from my empty plate. So and, and did you have the same as well? No, I just had the ratatouille and some uh, potatoes and some salad and it was also very nice. Now, we all know what it's like when you come along to a conference and sometimes the food can be a bit bland and a bit boring. We're at the Holiday Inn, um, so the food isn't actually provided by Amkis, but they've organised it. How does this food compare to other conferences you may have been to? Uh, I haven't been to one in a while um, because I've been living abroad for 15 years. So this is my first one in a very long time. And yeah, um, I can't fault it. So thank you. Yeah, the snap. I also lived overseas and I think the last conference I went to was in the Czech Republic. So I imagine the food was probably a bit more uh, Eastern European in uh, origin, but <laughs> this, this was absolutely fine. Fantastic. Well, I think pudding might be coming up, so I'll leave you both to it. Marie, hello. Uh, tell me which school you're from. Uh, CFBL, a bilingual uh, school in uh, Kentish Town. And it looks like you're enjoying some delicious pudding here. Uh, just describe this for us so people listening can get an idea of what, what you're eating there. So I'm having a pudding like it's French choux à la crème uh, with covered with chocolate and a salad fruit. Fruit salad, sorry. Yeah, and it's delicious. <laughs> and it sounds to me like you're not from the UK. Are you from France? Yes, I'm from France originally, but I've been living in the UK for 10 years now. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll leave you to enjoy your pudding because it looks delicious. Uh, thank you. <laughs> so we're out of lunch now and I'm with Diana Keller from the International Community School. Yes. I understand you've come all the way over from Jordan, is that right? Yes, I'm coming from Jordan over here just to attend this conference and to develop myself in order to meet the British standards which are being followed in UK schools because most of our prospective families in ICS come from UK in order to attack them as much as we can. And we are trying to learn and develop our skills to be up to date with all the marketing and the admissions journeys and steps that they are being followed in the UK currently school. <clears throat> so you really are here on a mission then to, to, to learn as much as possible, aren't you? Yes, yes, because this is ICS, it's International Community School, that which is uh, follow British system in Jordan and all our teachers they are from UK or they have obtained the uh, British qualification requirements. Okay and when is it you're heading back to Jordan then? Tomorrow morning. Gosh so you really are here just for this event then aren't yeah. you? Yeah um, yes I am. And what time in the morning do you go? Um, 12. 12 a.m. I have to leave. Now, we got the sessions for the afternoon. Uh, I'm guessing you're looking forward to hearing what people have to say this afternoon. I know Gemma Price is talking on the HubSpot admission system, but what else are you looking forward to in the afternoon session? Yes, I know. I just want to develop our steps on the admission journeys. I Just what I said, I want to attract as much as can of the prospective families that we got over the world, not just in the UK, but specifically UK families. We would like to um, just indicate them more and more. And that's it. And tell me how Jordan is different to the UK. I have to say it's different, but it's not different because Jordan has been a shining example of diversity and equity. And uh, due, due to all of these factors, Jordan become a destination of all the nationalities, especially uh, we have a big, a huge community in our school that we are 
accepting any uh, pupil from any uh, gender or nationality or um, gender nationality or religion. So we, we are happy to have anyone from all, all over the world with our standard and our expect expectation. Fantastic. Dana Califf, thank you very much. Thank you. You are welcome. You are welcome. Thank you. So Tories just brought us all to a close. That brings us to the end of this conference. So what we're going to do is to hot foot it back into the studio and we're going to catch up with Mike Parker and Emma Schramm. Let's jump across and do that now. Mike and Emma, thank you for joining us here on the second half of this podcast. Uh, we're now on the other side of the weekend uh, and the AMCIS conference was last week. But first of all, Emma, hi, how are you doing? Hi, good, thank you. Very, really pleased to be here. Thanks, Simon. Well, thank you for your time. It's great to talk to you here in person again. Mike, how are you doing? How was your weekend? Hi, Simon. Hi, Emma. Fantastic weekend, have to say. Lots of family stuff. I went to see the school first play as well. So yeah, all good. It's always that great feeling, isn't there, when, when you go to an event like the AMCIS Admissions Conference and you're thinking of all of these great things you want to do and to implement when you're back in school. How do you, each of you find that you go about making sure that you do actually implement those things instead of going back to your desk and just being caught? up in the endless emails that no doubt came in when you weren't at school. I think it's really important to just sit down and actually feed back to the team and talk it through. I always come back with so many interesting thoughts and ideas and there's nothing better than just sitting around the table with a cup of tea and, and going through those and just discussing all the all the things that were exciting or um, uh, just interesting bits that popped into my head going through it. So that just helps me to process myself what, what happened and um, and anything I want to pick up from that. Emma, what would you say are some of your biggest takeouts from last week then? I think one of the interesting ones for me was uh, with Ipswich School and how they uh, were in working to increase their school role for year seven um, and something that actually had been kind of in the back of my head regarding numbers and making sure that we are getting our prep school children through. We had a great year last year and every single child in year six came up through to year seven. Um, this year is not feeling as healthy and so we're looking now at year five and actually trying to push things through. And, and they talked a lot about flexibility and not necessarily sticking with the traditional dates just because those are the dates in the calendar. And it, yeah, it just kind of gave me the, the thought that actually I can be a bit more like up in the air with my thinking and blue sky thinking rather than just going in and going, well, it has to be like that. You know, so yeah, that's definitely something I've already started talking to SLT about already. Oh, good shout out there to Saskia Jordan at Ipswich in that case. Mike, how did you find last week? Well, I mean, I have to echo what Emma's saying. I, I was really interested to hear the experiences at Ipswich, um, what Saskia had to say about how they were tracking uh, the different year groups, particularly because there was a good bit that resonated with our experience last year. We had record numbers of pupils come through at inquiry and application for year seven, but actually the conversion was far lower than previous years. Um, we actually had a record year all through last year in terms of applications and, and intake. But year seven was was notable in being smaller than, than than what we expected it to be off the back of how many turned up. So seeing how they tracked that and what they were doing to address that uh, was, was really fascinating. And actually, there's a number of things we were looking to do or we'd started doing this year that echoed what Saskia was doing. But there were other ideas that we hadn't thought about that, um, you know, that, that sort of exchange of ideas and knowledge was really helpful. 
the other main thing I think was um, I did enjoy the conversation and the, the presentation by Anthony Steers, who um, really raised some some fascinating points. Uh, it's one of my personal bugbears that particularly, shall we say, some of the, the millennial end of uh, of the workforce seem to be absolutely frightened of a telephone, whereas I actually think it's a really good tool for reaching out to people and having that conversation. And at times you think you're very good at what you're doing, but but actually hearing it from someone in his position really helps you refine what you're doing and, and also the things that you do wrong. So his point about not having relatable stories for parents was uh, was a big one because sometimes we wax lyrical about, you know, the, the absolute fascinating things that our children do at the top end, um, but it might not necessarily be relevant to the parents or, or even, as he put out, intimidating to some people. So I think we're revising some of the case studies we use now when we're talking to people to make sure that they are relatable to the parents that you're talking to on the day. That's a good insight. Thanks for that, Mike. I really appreciate that. Emma, let's just jump back to you for a second. I'd love to know in a nutshell how you see the admissions and marketing role have having changed, I was going to say in your school, but not necessarily in your school, just in the in, in the independent school sector over the last, well, I think you said before we joined this call together that you've been at your school at Stover for seven years. Is that right? Yes. Yes, for my sins. <laughs> Um, and yeah, from what I've seen, I think it has professionalized. I think it was, uh, you know, over the years, it's been enthusiastic amateurs, very nice, generally women, interestingly, you know, there was very few men still, sorry, Mike, at the uh, Amicus, still a, a rare breed. Um, but I think, uh, I think it's become much more business-like. Uh, the standard of expectation from parents has probably increased massively for the speed of communication, the accuracy of what you're providing them and the delivery of the entire experience. I think, you know, the, everyone's expectations has risen significantly. And I think that over the years, admissions departments have risen to that challenge and responded accordingly. But to do that, it has had to be, you know, I, I suspect 10 years ago, very few had good electronic support through uh, systems like HubSpot, which we obviously discussed, which looked absolutely amazing. <laughs> and I'm trying with my bursa for that one. But, you know, all those systems that are coming on board will make a massive difference to, uh, you know, how easy it is to do the behind the scenes thing that, that make admissions appear so smooth and, and well run. Uh, to the, to hopefully our external customers. Nice shout out there to Gemma Price from HubGem in that case. Mike, I understand you've come from more of a corporate kind of background or at least a non-schools background. Is is that right? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I spent the last uh, three and a half years prior to, to joining Durham School working in education, but not in an admissions role. I was CEO of a, a network of leaders across the northeast of England. Prior to that, though, I worked in uh, marketing and co corporate communications for one of the largest housing associations and social care providers in the country. I've previously had my own PR business, and I've done a lot of work in marketing and comms for chambers of commerce. And, and so business and third sector backgrounds prior to coming in here. And how do you find all of that helps having not come from the sector? Because quite often admissions and marketing people do, uh, well, quite frequently tend to move from one school to another school to another school. I think, you know, it has pluses and minuses. I think the the physical act of the marketing side, uh, particularly, is something that obviously I'm, I'm very experienced 
in. And so we've been able to put a very different slant on the marketing here at Durham School. You know, for for Chorister School, which is our prep school, 3 to 11, and then the senior school, 11 to 18, we've changed a lot of things around uh, digitization, around um, geotargeting, and also uh, doing a lot of customer uh, segmentation work that's helped us improve the targeting of our, our marketing. And that's reflected in the numbers that turn up at open morning and then the conversion of them then forward. I think the the admission side obviously is an area I've had to get, get used to, but I'm very fortunate that I've got an incredible team who are extremely skilled. And to be honest, I, I always say a good leader is one that you could remove from, from the team and the team still operates. I think that's definitely true of, of my team. You know, they're fantastic. And that's supported me in, in that side of the role. But also... I've looked a lot in previous roles at customer experience and customer journey. And I think that's something that coming externally, you can bring in to organizations like schools, because sometimes it's possible for schools to be a little bit shaping the parent experience from their own perspective, rather than everything being a journey through the customer's eyes. Now, I'd love to ask each of you about what it's like to not be a school that's based in London or in the home counties. Mike being at Durham, then Durham is clearly at one end of the country. And Stover School, I, I believe, is in Devon. Is that right, Emma? That's right, yeah. 20 minutes from Exeter. So do you both find this a negative, being so far away from you know that cluster of schools in the southeast of the UK? Or are there some benefits that, you know, that we're overlooking here right now? I think definitely both. And it depends which market you're looking at. So for the day market for us, in reality, we haven't got huge numbers of competition. I can imagine for a school in the southeast, you could have 10 schools within a reasonable commuting radius, whereas we'll have children that come, you know, within an hour of the school on the school buses. And there's very few other schools in the locality. So they'll often only be looking at us as an option. Um, so you're not, you haven't got the same competition. You haven't got the piece where you've got 10 children applying for a place that you offer and only four of them will come because, you know, they, they've got multiple offers that they've all gone for. So that probably simplifies our process a lot. At the same time for boarding, that is definitely more of a challenge, persuading boarders that they want to come down the motorway to, to Stover for three hours on a minibus is a little bit more challenging um, but then it's about selling the positivity of being 15 minutes from the beach and 15 minutes from Dartmoor um, and the beautiful surroundings and the huge acreage and all the positives and, and some cultures find that amazing and other other countries it's less of a selling point so you kind of have to balance who you're trying to attract. Mike how do you get around that perception at least that Durham feels like it's a long way away from London? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's a very good point, and I'd echo what Emma says in terms of having that local catchment area is really important. We've got eighty percent of our pupils that come from within a half hour drive of school, so um, so that's really strong. The international bit, um, some of it's, <laughs> I suppose, drawing a map. You know, when whenever you see something in uh, in the national press and they talk about, I don't know, um, something that's happened, and then compare it to the number of Eiffel towers on top of one another. You know, if we actually show the distance between London and and uh, and Durham versus the dif difference between Chengdu and uh, Beijing, for example, then you get a sense of of perspective on these things. But that's that's not always straightforward. I think you know what we would focus on more is our links to uh, Durham University 
being a top one world top 100 university on your doorstep things like that resonate more than you know just travel time but i think we've got the added benefit with of being on the east coast main line so the main train route to to london london under three hours edinburgh under two hours gives a connectivity piece but at a personal level, I've got an eight-minute walk to work past allotments that overlook Durham Cathedral and, and, and along the River Weir. So um, I know who's winning on that front. <laughs> awesome. I love it. And question for both of you. Uh, MTM did some work recently that found that a significant proportion of people responsible for school marketing and admissions are feeling stressed right now. I'd love to know what each of you tends to do to, to look after your own well-being. Well, I'm really lucky. So we actually live on Dartmoor. Um, and can walk out of the back of the house and straight onto the moor. So I'm often found that even in the dark and the rain, uh, you can't beat getting out into the wild and and getting blown about a bit. Um, and it's definitely uh, definitely the way to go for me. Awesome. It sounds fantastic. Mike, how about you in Durham? Well, I mean, one thing I'm very fortunate about is Durham School has a pet policy. So I have my little two-year-old border terrier, uh, Barney, who comes to school with me every single day, often stolen by the deputy head pastoral to act as a therapy dog when uh, when children are a little under the uh, you know feeling the pressure or or um, upset about something, uh, I think the it's really important to take breaks. I used to work through and all the rest of it, work longer hours, and actually I'm consciously forcing myself to take time at break time to go and have a coffee with the teachers and chat to them about things, to have lunch and sit and have lunch with people, so you're not having lunch at your desk. Walking the grounds, you know, we've got 32 acres of, of land here that is, is wonderful. And when I take the, the dog up and around the, the, the top fields and things like that, that gives you a nice break as well. And just, I suppose it, the hardest thing is not taking your work home with you. It's taken me sort of nearly 30 years of, of work to realise that actually not taking your work home, the world doesn't end. Um, so I'm just trying to step back a bit from it there. But it's the wider pieces is working with your team, trying to look after them and support them and equally trying to model behavior of, you know, not trying to do the long hours culture, sending emails, you know, at six in the morning and, you know, eight o'clock at night. It's it's trying to um, show them that, you know, they, they need balance in their lives too. Mike, let me just come back to you on a couple of things there, because... We all know that it's good to take five minutes out to go for a coffee, to take a lunch break where you actually go and sit with other people in the school and, and have a proper lunch with them, not to take your work home and to work silly hours. But uh, equally, I, I can imagine some people might be listening to this feeling that there's a pressure that they should be doing that, or at least if they're seen to be having a coffee or taking a proper lunch break, proper in inverted commas, that it could be seen negatively by other people in the school. How, how should people go about balancing the perception of the work that they're doing with actually looking after their own well-being. I think that's a really important point. And, and every every workplace is different. So what I'd say from my own experience is um, about a year ago, well, okay, when I started in this role, it was January 2020. Um, so we were eight weeks away, unwittingly at that time, um, from going going into lockdown. Um, I started in a, in a a team of heading up a team of six that only had one member of staff in at the time. So it was pretty, 
pretty full on. Then went through a period of trying to recruit, having recruitment freezes, um, so we couldn't bring in staff for a little while. And we all worked um, exceptionally long hours. But then when I was, I ended up being furloughed for a while, so I couldn't even talk to my new team, team, team members for a couple of months. Um, so that was all pretty stressful. And then in the November, it was announced that we were going to be merging with um, a nearby prep school. So again, we were put under extreme pressure there. Obviously, we'd lost all a number of our international students and those markets were very tough. So I went through a period of trying to work every hour to make up for, you know, the problems that we're facing and the staffing that we were facing. But actually, all I ended up doing was distancing myself from my team, not being as supportive of them and helping them to do their jobs, trying to find solutions to everything. And actually, in the end, you realize that you're not doing yourself or, or your team or uh, your colleagues or, or your school any good. So for me, all of that came to a head and with, with a realization that I had to learn to do this and I had to learn to step away. Um, and in doing so, you've got to be conscious of, of explaining to your team and also managing upwards about what you're doing and why you're doing it. But if you don't, it's only you that suffers. I think some people are good at spotting and helping others straight away. Others, you know, particularly in things like admissions, I think you can you can get lost in the school because they don't realize what you're doing. You know, half the time, um, I think it was said at the conference that, you know, admissions isn't ad ad administration. And that point is is something that I try very hard to explain on behalf of my team to others about everything that's going on. If you don't take that time, you're the one that's going to suffer. So you've got to find a way to manage it. If you can do it in a way that, you know, if there's a problem with visibility, try and make it that you have like um, a team meeting where, you know, you go for a walk around the site or something like that, or go to another building or, or something that's just a bit different. But if it's a walking meeting, then so be it. At least you're getting some fresh air and, and getting away from desks and things. I don't think it's easy, but for long-term health, it's got to be done. I love that. Long-term health. We keep reading about it. It's more and more important than ever. Uh, both of you, we need to bring this episode to a close now, but it was really good to meet you both last week at the AMCIS Admissions Conference. Are you both going to be at the AMCIS Annual Conference in six months' time? Yeah, definitely. That's my plan. Hopefully. <laughs> Although my marketing manager's trying to. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I look forward to seeing you both there because I'll be there for sure. And a good number of other people there as well. But both of you, thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Simon. Thanks very much, Simon. So that was Emma and Mike from Stover School and Durham School, respectively. Thank you to you both for spending time talking about what each of you do in your schools. And a big thank you as well to all of our contributors from the admissions conference. It was great to speak to so many people, both on and off microphone. Just a reminder, AMKIS is the Association for Admissions, Marketing and Communications in Independent Schools. For more, for more information on AMKIS, just visit amkis.co.uk. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.